Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. For you, Leviticus chapter number nine, I would like to read with verse number six. Starting here today, the Bible says, and Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded that ye should do. The glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. And Moses said unto Aaron, go into the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burn offering. And make an atonement for thyself and for the people. And offer the offering of the people and make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. And Aaron therefore went unto the altar and slew the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron brought the blood unto him. And he dipped his finger in the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar. Skipping down to verse 12. So in verse 9, he took care of the sin offering. Verse 12, this is the burn offering. And he slew the burn offering. And Aaron's sons presented unto him the blood, which he sprinkled round about upon the altar. So this sin offering, this burn offering in verse 12, both of these have been for Aaron himself. In verse 18 is the peace offering. This is for everybody. But that includes also Aaron. The Bible says he slew also the bullock, in verse 18 and the ram for a peace for a sacrifice of peace offerings which was for the people and Aaron's sons presented unto him the blood which he sprinkled upon the altar round about in verse number nine Aaron makes a sacrifice his sons seem to be in waiting as history and things indicate biblical history waiting with their basins than to catch the blood of their father's sacrifice. In verse 12, he offers his burn offering. His sons are waiting there in the wing, waiting to catch the blood. The peace offering then that's for him and all the people. His sons are waiting there in the wings to catch the blood. I want to minister to us today this, the blood of a father's sacrifice. The blood of a father's sacrifice. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, you would help me this morning to convey, Lord Jesus, your word and this message. God, what I have, Lord, pondered in my heart and my mind over the past few days and you have kept me awake at nights with, I pray, God, today that you would help me, Jesus. God, for everyone that's sitting under the sound of my voice, but God, particularly, Lord, those that serve in the capacity, Lord, of a father today. God, speak and minister through your word as I know that you're able to, Lord, and help us, God, to be recipients of it. God, that we would hear it, Lord, to be attentive to it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The lovely name of the Lord. This is a rare occasion for me this morning. I have family on both sides. 
Amen. My wife's family and myself that are here, they're from Tennessee, and they are here today. And so I got dads on both sides today, which is a rarity, and we're so glad to have them, amen, in the house of the Lord uh, with us today. Amen. Leviticus chapter 9, and I'm speaking to you again, the blood of a father's sacrifice. Up until this moment in time, Moses, who was known as the deliverer of the Israelites out of Egypt, had single-handedly made all the preparations and all the sacrifices to ordain Aaron as the high priest and his sons as priests. Moses was the responsible party in doing this sacrificial office for them. But we understand in Scripture that they were in the house of God through this ordination for seven days. They had not been able to leave the house of the Lord. They had been consecrated there. They had been washed, Aaron and his sons. They had been clothed, Aaron and his sons, and anointed for the purpose of being high priest and priest for the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that when someone was sought out to handle the things that pertain to God, that God sought out and took a man from among men so that that man could offer both gifts and sacrifices unto the Lord. I believe it's important this morning to denote that not only was Aaron chosen, but his sons with him. Because the wisdom of God knew that he could not choose a man, he could not choose a father, without that father's role having an influence upon his sons. So it was best then in the choosing of the man that he go ahead and include his children because there was going to be an indelible imprint left upon their life concerning the capacity that their father would serve him. Those sons would work in concert with their father, Aaron. They would all serve in the capacity of demon people clean and demon others unclean. They would, they would all safeguard the purity of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness. They would all participate in some form with the sacrifices and the daily ministration that took place in both the outer court and the holy place of the tabernacle of the Old Testament. Because the fact of the matter is this today, folks. When their father Aaron dies... One of them, one of those sons, is going to assume the role of leadership. And so their participation now is nothing more but the training they would need for when they might be the responsible party. And so this leader obligation in Israel of priesthood was always passed down perpetually from father to son, from father to son. And so a son then must take advantage must take advantage of everything that he could learn. Amen. And a father should take advantage and be very diligent in his teaching everything that he knows while he has his allotted time on the earth because his son is going to inherit the role that he serves in and the capacity that he serves in. As a matter of fact, the book of Exodus makes it very clear that there are some things that a high priest has that he has control of or in his possession that will someday become the things of the priest, more importantly, the sons after him. The Bible says in Exodus 29, 29, that the holy garments 
of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed, amen, therein, and to be consecrated in them. And so there's an idea that's even conveyed here in Exodus. The idea is this, that the sons will have something because their father had something before they did. They are going to inherit something that came directly from their father. They are, in many regards, the beneficiaries of what their father had. Those sacred garments of their father were preserved for his sons. In other words, that religious identity that he had and that role that he played and that relationship and that function that he served in, that father will someday become his sons. Can someone say amen? But know well today that more times than not in the word of God, in the book of Leviticus and in the Old Testament, it does not always refer to Aaron and his sons as high priest and priest. By and large, the majority of the time that these people are referred to, it's not priest and high priest, but they're referred to as Aaron and his sons. Because this most sacred office that he was all, all uh, functioning in was dependent upon a very delicate relationship between him being the father and them being his sons. You talk about high priests and you talk about priests. That, those are maybe some very impersonal terms. But whenever we make reference to Aaron and we make reference to his sons, that, that strikes a chord in the heart of that father Aaron. That strikes a chord in the heart of those sons. They're, they're serving in roles and they're, they're serving in capacities that are dependent upon their family relationship of father and son. Someone say amen. amen. The Bible tells us in Leviticus then that the spirit of the Lord had spoke to Moses. He says, Moses, I want Aaron and I want his sons to make some sacrifices and the people are gonna make some sacrifices. I want them to bring them unto me and do these things. And so what we read in Leviticus 9 where, where Moses has done all the sacrificing up to this point in time. Leviticus 9 is the first time that Aaron is putting forth the sacrifice. Leviticus 9 is the first time that he is serving in this capacity. This is the first time, if I could say it like this, that his sons are going to see their father sacrifice. And the Bible says it was put upon Aaron's shoulders that he should bring a sin offering for himself, a young calf, and that he was to bring a burn offering for himself, a ram and the people the elders of the tribes were to bring their sin offering and their burnt offering and a peace offering of an ox and a ram which would be for all the nation of Israel including Aaron and his sons and so Aaron had an endorsement upon him God told him through Moses he says if you do these things you bring these sacrifices and you sacrifice them then I'm going to tell you that the glory of the Lord is going to appear whenever you have done these things. And we read later in the chapter, after these things have been accomplished, God was very true to his word that without fail and without disappointment, when they had finished, the glory of the Lord had appeared unto all the people. God was setting up a precedent right here in scripture. It's as though God wanted Aaron to know, all of Israel to know, that his presence was to be experienced on the basis of sacrifice. That I'll show up and I'll make myself known to you when these sacrifices are done and made. 
The Bible says, though, as we read in Scripture, from this day forward, from this day in Leviticus 9 forward, that the sons of Aaron would be many times serving in the lot of holding a basin, waiting on blood to fall from the sacrificial animals of people that brought their sacrifices to the tabernacle. For that matter, these sons over their lifetime was going to catch a whole lot of blood. Blood from bullocks, blood from rams, blood from calves, blood from lambs, blood from goats. They're going to catch all types of blood through their time of their service. And this blood would come from a sacrifice. A sacrifice that someone would bring to the temple and that someone would lay their hand upon that ram, that bullock, whatever it was, identifying themselves with that animal. And then that offerer would cut that animal's throat and that blood would spill out and the sons of Aaron would be the ones there with their basins eager to catch the blood of that animal. And so in this constant service, that they were to serve in, in their lives. They would just be faithful attendants with basins in their hand, ready to catch some blood of some sacrifice. But whenever they caught that blood, listen to me today, folks. When they caught that blood, that blood was a witness to the sacrifice. Amen. And that sacrifice indicated some type of offering, whether it be sin or burn offering, or trespass offering, or meat offering. And more importantly, that blood was a witness to somebody's sin. Right. Amen. Somebody's offering. If you'll go with me here, and you look in the scripture of Leviticus 9, and I'm laying a big porch, all right. Amen. Uh, the, the, the three primary offerings in the scripture of Leviticus 9 in our setting is a sin offering, a burn offering, and a peace offering. The order of these are very important. There was a sin offering that was presented. And whenever a person brought a sin offering, it was presented because they had sin in their life that they wanted to be dealt with. They had sin in their life that they wanted forgiveness for. They may have committed it and knew that they have committed it. They may have ignorantly committed a sin. And then after coming to recognition of it, they said, I want to make this right. So they would bring a sin offering. They may have just wanted God to deal with the generality of sin. We're all born into sin. Just deal with the generality of sin in their life because they knew they were flawed. And so they would bring a sin offering because of that. There were others that would bring a burn offering. When a person brought a burn offering, it's because that individual, in identifying themselves with the animal when they laid their hands on it, that animal would totally be burned upon the altar of sacrifice. Seemingly all of its parts would be burned upon the altar of sacrifice, indicated they had totally dedicated themselves, totally given themselves unto God upon that altar, total surrender upon the person's part. But whenever they came to the final peace offering, it was brought because a person just simply wanted to enjoy fellowship with God. Part of it was ate by them and part of it was eaten by the priest. Amen. And part of it was consumed by God. And so it was just a meal that was shared. A meal of fellowship between humanity and divine. God himself. They just wanted to enjoy fellowship with the Lord. Can someone say amen? amen. And so the order of these things are very important because you didn't bring these three offerings and decide to offer the burnt offering first before you offer the sin offering. Because the reason being is this. We can't totally surrender unto God 
until sin has been dealt with in our life. Says you can't bring a burnt offering first and then bring a sin offering because what 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 type of total dedication can you give to God with sin still being in your life? Because if you still have sin in your life, that portion of your life is dedicated to sin. That portion of your life is consecrated to sin, and there will be an unsurrendered part of your life then that you're trying to render to God. And so the burnt offering is a whole burnt offering. All the pieces are put up on the altar. And that's a representative of you going up unto God, totally and fully dedicated to God. So if you're going to offer these things, you've got to deal with sin first. And then you totally dedicate yourself unto God. Someone say amen. amen. But here's what I want you to get, and this is probably the crux of everything. The sons of Aaron, from this day forward, listen to me, would carry their share of blood in basins of sacrifices listen to me of sacrifices some which were made by their friends some which were made by distant tribal family members some that were made perhaps to them of total strangers and they would be carrying the blood of friends the blood of sacrifices of distant family and of people they were totally strange to and whenever that blood entered the pan, that blood was a witness to this if it was a sin offering. It may be a witness to some individual's uncontrolled anger that they wanted forgiveness for. They're carrying that in their basin. It may be a witness to some type of undiscovered infidelity of another individual that they wanted forgiveness for. They're carrying that within their pan. It, it may even be some deceitful antics of another uh, uh, individual that they might not even know, but they're carrying in their basin of blood because this is their office and this is their duty. And so every basin of blood had its own story. Every basin of blood had its own story. What it was atoning for, if it was for total dedication of a person, amen, that blood, all of those bloods belonged to a different offerer. Someone say amen. And so Aaron's sons would witness a lot of stuff over their time. They might see one individual that's constantly bringing a burnt offering unto the Lord because they're a little unsure, amen, about their dedication to God. So they're constantly bringing a, a burnt offering, just want to ensure to God, God, I give my whole unto you. I give my, my full, complete self. I'm giving total can surrender unto the Lord. And maybe they're not doing it so much for God's sake as they are themselves because they're doubtful and they're unsure. But those boys are going to carry that over and over and over and they know the purpose and they know the lot for it someone say amen others blood though was just simply someone wanting closer to God I long for God I desire God I, I bring my peace offering I want to be in fellowship with God and so all these things here's the, the sons they're, they're grabbing their basin they're getting underneath that animal where that offer is they're catching the blood there's a sin offering they're coming over here they're getting their basin they're catching there's a burn offering and they know the story that's for sin that's because they want to be dedicated that's because they long for God that's for that person over in the tribe of Leah over there in the tribe of Reuben that's over there for that person in the tribe amen of Zebulun and they're catching all of these blood and that's their lot in life they're catching the blood of sacrifices and they are witnessing other people dealing with their sin other people dedicating the fullness of their lives to God other people desiring and longing for a relationship with God but on this first day this inaugural day of the sacrificial system God orders sacrifices to be brought both 
for the high priest, Aaron, and the people. Because it bears to reason that it would seem senseless to have a sanctified people without a sanctified priest. But folks, I believe it gets a little more intimate than that. It would be a tragedy for Aaron's sons to bear the blood of sacrifices of a myriad of people in their lifetime and never see the blood of their father's sacrifice. They could say this is a sacrifice of Zebulun or Gad or Reuben and this is that boy's father and this is the blood of that boy's mother or this is the blood of that child or that friend and that person to do that your whole lifetime and never see the blood of your father's sacrifice would be all, by all means a tragedy. It would be a failure. Some would say amen. So God in his infinite, infinite wisdom prescribed on this first day of sacrifice that before these boys ever catch, catch the blood of the sacrifices of the people, before these boys ever catch the blood of that tribe or this tribe or that father or that father, before they catch the blood of anybody else, I want to make sure they catch the blood of their daddy's sacrifice. I want to... Someone say amen. amen. He said, I set it up like this. That the first blood these boys catch, the first blood that they gather in their basin, these are pure blades. They've not catched, caught any blood yet, but the first tainting of blood on these basins, I want it to be the blood of their father. I want to, yeah, he was the high priest, but whenever they were functioning in all those roles, I don't care who you are. You serve in a capacity in a business with your father, and you know him as boss, yes, but ultimately and intimately, you know him as dad. And before they see that being the blood of the high priest, they're looking at that and saying, this is the blood of my father this is the blood of my father's sacrifice I want those boys to recognize the blood from their father's sacrifice are you listening listen for that matter the way God has it set up this thing this sacrificial system would have been at a standstill had it not been for Aaron sacrificing his sacrifice. Someone say amen. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. His sons would have been in the wing waiting with empty basins, virgin basins, untouched by blood, without a witness on how sin is dealt with without a witness on how to be consecrated to God, without a witness on how to have communion, a longing, a hunger and desire for God, if their father hadn't sacrificed. I ask us the question on this Father's Day morn, how many children are sitting over in the wing with basins that are dry, basins that are empty, and they're just waiting for a father to sacrifice because they're going to learn how to deal with sin through their father. They're going to learn how to be dedicated to God through their father. They're going to learn how to long and hunger for the things of God through their father. They need the blood of their father's sacrifice in their basin.
See to everybody else in Israel These boys These priests Again To them We're catching the blood Of the sacrifices Of the high priest To the common observer That's priests Catching the blood Of the high priest But again folks That was not so To those boys as they knelt there with their empty pan for this first sacrifice looking up into the eyes of what everybody else saw as the high priest they were looking into the eyes of their father when that what everybody else saw was a high priest put his hands up on that, that ram or that bullock everybody else just seen a high priest identifying with an animal but those boys saw something different they saw their father identifying with that animal Whenever that high priest took the knife, amen, to the throat of that animal and slit it, and that blood spilled over his hand, everybody else just seen a high priest's hand getting bloody, but those boys seen the blood of the animal their father identified with, that that was daddy's blood for his sin. That was daddy's blood for him being dedicated. That was daddy's blood for his hunger for God. You want to hang your hat on a statement today? Hang it on this. The reality of this whole setting in Scripture is this. There would have been no blood for the sons to catch if they didn't have a sacrificing father. Because it's his that started this whole system to begin with. And it wasn't going to start without him doing it. There had been no blood for the sons to catch if they had not a sacrificing father. Let that settle in just a little bit. Let that settle in just a little bit. See, their father may sacrifice other things. Sure. He could have sacrificed other things. But if it was without blood, there was nothing there for his sons to catch. They could have sacrificed a myriad of other things. But if it was without blood, there'd been nothing for those boys to catch. Leviticus also tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood of an animal pointed toward and to a living sacrifice. That Paul said in Romans is our reasonable service. So they could have sacrificed a lot of stuff. And listen to me. I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying here today. But Aaron could have sacrificed his time. He could have sacrificed his money. He could have sacrificed promotion, if you will. And I'm telling every father in here, go on and do that. Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your money. Sacrifice promotions if it means some interest in your family. But those things, they all have their proper place. But if you want want to avoid your chilling children dealing with empty basins you better show them how to deal with sin and you better show them how to get dedicated to God and you better show them how to have a greater hunger for God because empty basins are nothing more but a testimony of somebody that's not sacrificing or at least sacrificing the wrong thing
that's no blood, then you sacrifice something lifeless to begin with. If it has no blood, then you sacrifice something that was already dead to begin with. We emphasize dead things more than we do living things in our society. We're emphasizing things that can produce no blood for our son and our daughters and our children. We have in our mind's eye the things that are important that should be sacrificed and they'll appreciate it and no doubt they do. But the only thing that's going to take care of them concerning eternal matters if you sacrifice something that's got some blood in it. See, Cain, there were burnt offerings and sin offerings before Leviticus ever got here. Leviticus just gave the prescription, the guidelines on how this should properly be done. Cain did his children a disservice. Yeah. One of the first two sons of Adam and Eve did his children a disservice. Because he left them with basins void of any blood. Yes, Genesis tells us, chapter 4, I believe it is, that he brought the fruit from the ground. He brought unto the Lord. Listen to me. But the moment he plucked that fruit from the ground, the moment he harvested it from the field, it was dying. He brought it to the Lord, and the Bible says the Lord had no respect to Cain's offering but to Abel and his offering the Lord had respect what's the difference Cain brought something that was dying the moment he plucked it from the field but Abel brought the firstling of his flock it was a living sacrifice that would produce blood upon sacrificing that would leave something in the pan of his sons that had he in it. Cain did a disservice to his family because he left his sons in waiting with basins without any blood. God set it up in Leviticus 9. Halaboshiah. God set it up in Leviticus 9. Before Aaron's sons noticed any other, before they noticed any other father deal with his sin. Set it up before those boys would notice any other man or father deal with his sin. Those boys would see their dad deal with his sin. And I'm glad we have sacrificing fathers. But I don't want your sacrifice to be the example that my son has to go by. Thank God for fatherly figures in the church, especially for those that maybe are without some. But I don't want my children learning the example of how to deal with sin through some other family and venue. I want to be the one. I want them to see me lay my hand down and take the sword in my hand and spill the blood out. I want them to know that, yes, your dad's guilty. Yes, your dad has made some mistakes. Yes, your dad has some flaws. But I'm not too big of a man to deal with them before the presence of an almighty God and have faith in him that he can take care of them. I 
Let me, let me tell you how important this little mode of truth is. God told Aaron, he said, you sacrifice a young calf for your sin offering for yourself. You looked in other places in Scripture. That is not the normal sacrifice for sin offering, not a young calf. This is totally supposition on my part. Okay? But consider, in Genesis 32, before this sacrificial system ever got going, and Moses is up on the mount talking to God, speaking to God, everybody's down there waiting on Moses to come back, seems like taking a long time. You know what happened? Aaron says, boys, I don't know if he's really coming back. If you give me all your gold, we'll cast this into a fire. And with his fashioning tool, he fashioned a golden calf. Disdained in the sight of God. But he would take that same, he'd take that same man. He got this thing, yes, a golden calf that had no blood. And set him in the capacity of high priest. And he wanted his children to know that the history of father is that he made an image of a golden calf. And so for the first offering of daddy's sin offering outside of the norm of any other place in scripture, I want you, Aaron, to sacrifice a young calf. Why? Maybe he's making connection with his sin that he had done, but he wanted those boys to know he might have made that calf, but he's sacrificing this one for that one. That one didn't have blood, but this one did. Your daddy's doing that. It'd been great just to keep it a generality. But sometimes it's good for our kids. You point exactly out where you went wrong. There's been times I had bad attitude with my children. I know no one else have ever done that, but I have. I've raised my voice whenever it wasn't needful or necessary. Uh-huh. I was a little bit more demanding than what I should have. Because I was having a bad day. So I made everybody else's day around me bad. In those moments, Brother Fred, I don't go just try to pass the room at night and say, you know, I'm just kind of sorry for anything I've ever done, you know. No. I go in there and sit down by the bed. And I say, you know, whenever I did this, Dad was wrong. What are you doing? I'm pointing to the calf. I'm pointing to the calf. Dad was wrong. I own that. This is me. And I want you to know right here in this moment, what I want you to see is the blood of your daddy's sacrifice. Because if somewhere in your history you're ever going to deal with your sin, you've got to have something you can look to, a point of reference. Fathers, parents, let's let it behoove ourselves before we raise a hand or a voice of ridicule against the generation coming up and we're saying they just ain't dealing with sin. They're just not doing this. We need to look introspective and ask ourselves, how have we dealt with sin in their upbringing? How have we dealt with sin in their presence? He says, you bring a burnt offering, Aaron. You sacrifice it for yourself. Because before your boys see the complete surrender and dedication and consecration of their friend's father, they need to be a spectator of yours. They need to see you with abandon. Give 
see it in the life of anybody else. A peace offering for the people, and this includes Aaron himself. Aaron's the one those doing the sacrifice. Most times in Scripture, it was the offerer. It was the offerer doing his own cutting of the neck with the bloodletting. It was usually the offer, not the priest. Because that offer had to take command of this is him in this situation. But Aaron in this instance of the peace offering, which was for the other people, he's the one doing that. That peace offering that indicated enjoyment of fellowship, desire and hunger for more of the presence and the power of God. In each episode... Aaron's sons caught the blood or they presented the blood to their father of the sin offering, of the burn offering. And you know, then verse, I think it is, brother, uh, 18 it is, of this, of this peace offering. Aaron's sons, it says, presented unto him. Who? The high priest, yes, but more importantly, their father presented the blood to him. Because again, and I'm running it in the ground, but that's okay. Because we've got to get this. He didn't want any other man's desire for fellowship with God to eclipse their dad's desire. Because Aaron's, their father, would set the tone for his sons. See, after this day, Brother Fred, they're carrying a lot of blood of a lot of different sacrifices, of a lot of different situations, and a lot of different people. But always... You're going to remember the first day when this all started. No matter how many years down the road this goes, they're always going to remember. You know how it is. You, you remember the first tooth that's lost. You remember the first day of school. You remember the first time you started that business. You remember all those first. They're going to remember that first day. And that first sacrifice. And that first blood. And that first offer. And they're going to remember that was that. That was our dad when that peace offering went that spilled over dad's hands nobody has a desire for fellowship with God like dad did nobody had a hunger for God like dad did brother Mason you'll come today you can still be seated I'll just end long he's just turning the lights on the runway for me The blood of a father's sacrifice. I meant to you today, folks, from my standpoint, I see fathers sacrificing all the time. I see fathers sacrificing all the time. But many times they are sacrificing trivial things. They're sacrificing things that have no positive bearing. if I could say it like this, on the contents of their son's basins. Sacrificing dead things. Base things. Here's the tragedy, folks. With each new venture of a father's sacrifice that's without blood, that father may think, I've succeeded. I gave them time or supplied money or this or that and they think that they have succeeded but listen please listen and lean in here 
The father thinks he's succeeded. But their children, leaning on the Old Testament example, their children have been given a basin. And unless the father gets it right, listen to me, unless the father gets it right, those kids are going to be stifled about what is my purpose. They've been given a basin. But if there's never a sacrifice that has blood, what is this for? This is not the best basin in the world. I guarantee you that. So there's a son over there in waiting. I've been given a basin. What's the purpose of all of this? Well, it's an empty basin. What's the purpose of all of this? This has been committed to my care. But what? Is my purpose to stand here with an empty container? And to observe the fancifulness of people in their lives that they pass by. What is the purpose? If there's not a father willing to sacrifice something with blood, it stifles the sons in knowing what their purpose in life is. In essence, they contrive this, that their purpose is just as real as the emptiness of their basin. It's without meaning. It's without purpose. It's without direction. I'm just guess I'm supposed to be here on the sidelines watching the parade of lies pass before me. But Aaron, his sons were not given basins without purpose because God had confidence in the row of a father. That when he said, get a sin offering, get a burn offering, and you do this before anybody else does, all of a sudden they see something happening over here. Dad, what are you doing? I'm doing just like the Lord, Lord commanded. What are you doing, Dad? I got a sin offering here. I got some things I needed to take care of. You're going to offer? Yeah, I'm going to offer. You're going to put your, you're going to identify yourself with that young calf? Yeah, I'm going to do it. You're going to, yes, I'm going to do it. Get over here because, boys, I need you to catch the blood. And all of a sudden, that thing that had been placed in their hands that they weren't maybe sure all the purpose and the ins and outs of it, the light bulb went off, folks. And they understood. This is for catching the blood. The first blood, and it's the sacrifice of my father. And in this container, I see now something that tells me the blood is how sin is dealt with. The blood is how dedication of a life happens. The blood through through the venue of the blood is how is how somebody longs and desires for more of God. How do you know that? Because I see my dad. Do it first. Fathers, we got to set the tone. Dads, we got to set the tone. We got to set the example. I'm closing. Stand with me. I'll try. Shut up. I'm not sure, Brother Mason, whether Aaron understood the full gravity of his row or not. The Bible tells us even in Hebrews 10 that those things of old, even referring to, to Leviticus 9, that the law having a shadow of good things to come. 
Aaron in his first sacrificing opening the sacrificial system in Leviticus 19 Aaron's sacrifice was a shadow of something better to come the wisdom of God depicted Aaron as the high priest and that it was the high priest sacrifice through Aaron or more generally through this father that through this father's sacrifice it provided blood to be caught by his children What's going on? What's the shadow of something better of that Aaron's involved here in the Old Testament? Folks, I believe it is this. That it was the picture of another father's sacrifice in the distant future that would supply blood in the basin for sin and consecration and fellowship with God. Aaron had to sacrifice for himself because he had sin that needed to be dealt with. But the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that according to the determinate counsel of God and the foreknowledge of God that Jesus would be delivered to offer not for himself but himself. Not because he had sin. Listen to me. He wasn't doing it because he had sin. But he was doing it because his children needed the blood. Woo! He's doing it because my generation and the generations before me were sitting there with empty basins. We needed the blood. And so as Aaron's sacrifice would start the sacrificial system, God, the creator, the father of us all, giving his holy, his only son as a sacrifice would finish the sacrificial system both both depended upon priests catching the blood of the high priest but for our purposes this morning it's more intimate than that both depended upon sons catching the blood of their father's sacrifice we bow our heads in this place this morning thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day